God. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory. Yeah. Holy, holy, holy. Praise God. Welcome to the new hell. All you devils! <laughs> Are you gonna just release the tension of performance? The tension of misunderstanding? Just release all your cares, all your thoughts, all your ideas and opinions, all of your ability to defend yourself against the unknown of God? Seriously. We're coming out of the manure pile as religious Pharisees of Satan. Why would we harden our hearts towards anything new of God? Seriously, we if we have an accurate assessment of where we are today, <laughs> we'd be like, bring it on. It can't get any worse than what I come out of. That's my testimony. I know it's yours too, unless you're deceived. Because we all come out of Satan and hell together into Jesus and heaven as one. Now, heaven is hell to the wicked. You got to have that understanding first and foremost. Thank you, Father. Give us some wisdom. Jesus. Just burn up every single thing that blocks the incineration of our pride and our lust today, our good and our evil in every way. You have good and you have evil and then you have Jesus on the cross crucified in the center of them both. Jesus died in between the two thieves of good and and evil. You could say he died in the center of the cities of Sodom and Salem. Sodom and Salem are the two other crosses on Calvary. Noah released the raven and it built Sodom. Noah released the dove and it built Salem. Salem. Sodom and Salem were built by the birds or by the angels. Angels are referenced as birds in the Bible. Follow me now. I'm speaking at a high level, but it's very humble, so you're going to have to become like little children to enter this realm, or you'll miss it. The birds built the two cities after the flood. These are like the days of Noah, where we go back into the original building of the two birds of the two kingdoms of angels heaven and hell now when heaven takes over it's not gonna take over like people think remember the promised son Joshua and Caleb they meet with the angel of the Lord and the angel of the Lord says I'm not even for you what you're not for me Ooh. 
God's not for No! I'm not for you. I'm not against you or for you. And it's like all that understanding of good and evil, Jesus first and foremost rebukes it out of Joshua's brain. He's the leader of the armies of Israel and he's getting rebuked by Jesus before he even comes into the promised land that it's not about good or bad here. This is about the establishing of the glory just first and foremost in your little reptilian brain, Joshua. Because he couldn't get it. He couldn't comprehend it. He thought he had faith. I'm better than all the four million people that died in the wilderness. Now it's time for my vengeance. And what does he get as he goes to the promised land? Rebuked! He gets rebuked the snot out of. In the Bible, it's always astonished me. You think, what a reward for suffering another 40 years only to be completely rebuked by God for being totally wrong in your mindset but still making it. So, even though you come into new realms of glory, you come into new realms of glory completely wrong in your mindsets 100% of the time. You're never going to enter a realm of the unknown of God's glory right. You only enter wrong. You got to get that burnt into your hearts and brains. You always come in as Pharisees. You always come in as whitewashed tombs. Every level of glory reveals your pharisaical pride. I've been attacking the seraphim nature for 10 years as I've been teaching on the seraphim nature for 10 years. Do you understand that? You have to come into the pride realm of it in order to be forgiven, therefore love much. That's called growing spiritually. Every single one of us has the prideful version of whatever we've conquered and it comes to the surface and then it gets forgiven and the forgiveness of the cross, of the pride of the knowledge of good gets burnt out of our flesh and then you come into the heavenly glory of whatever was forgiven. So you only go from glory to glory by the forgiveness of each and every layer of your pride. And honestly, in this world, for at least another thousand years, it's never ending. Your pride is just beginning to be revealed, you brood of vipers. We are the whitewashed tombs. Not them, we. Come on, somebody. It's always someone else. It's always my spouse. It's always my kids or, you know, the bad church I came out of or something. No, it's you. You're the biggest Pharisee out of everyone. Me too. Why? Because you have the experience. And the experience, unless it's transmutated through the cross of his blood, turns you into knowledge puffed up Satan's. I am more right than my accusers. No, you're actually more evil. Paul calls himself the worst of the Pharisees because he was still killing people as an apostle. Oh foolish man that I am, Romans 7, I do the things I do not want to do and I can't stop it. Who will deliver me from this body of sin? Romans 7. 
Paul was still murdering people as an apostle, but he was doing it with the skimming of his religious pride layer upon layer for 40 years of the highest level apostolic ministry in the world. And he was even delivering the other Pharisees called the apostle Peter, who played the hypocrite and wouldn't eat with the Gentiles, only the Jews. It's not like <laughs> your pride goes away. Your pride gets crucified every day. I die daily. So it's the only thing that grows in you is the cross that crucifies your serpent flesh and your serpent blood. Anything that's not crucified in you as you receive revelation makes you a bigger Satan. Makes you a bigger Pharisee. So there's no bigger Pharisees than the prophetic Christians. Than you guys. Truth or no? Me too. I cried like a baby two nights ago. Just bawling my eyes out because I've been attacking my own personal promised land for 10 years like a freaking idiot. Bawling. I couldn't believe it. I was attacking the seraphim nature as I was preaching and teaching on the seraphim for 12 years saying, oh, Ian Clayton condemned me for being a, a dragon worshiper. Like I'm better than Ian Clayton. Worse. Thousands of times worse. Thousands of times bigger hypocrite. That's all the flesh and blood nature is capable of, is being a bigger devil and a bigger hypocrite. And so what is a serpent on a pole? It's a crucified hypocrite. Come on. I don't want to know anything amongst you Corinthian prostitutes except Christ and him crucified. That's what Paul says. To be a Corinthian was to be a prostitute. The name is synonymous. So if Paul's calling his churches prostitutes, he's like crucify your prostituting lust eyes and lust flesh nature, you brood of vipers. You are a bunch of snakes. Can you imagine Jesus calling the most greatly discipled people of the Bible in the history of the world, Pharisees, brood of vipers? What were these freaking Greeks that are still sleeping with their moms in the book of Corinthians? They were incestuous. What kind of creatures are those? Vipers, snakes, disgusting, immoral, filthy demons and devils with skin on. If Jesus was that harsh to the Jews who had the whole Bible memorized and were walking it out to the jot and tittle, what were the Greeks? Millions of times worse. Are you kidding me? You think you're better than the Pharisees? You are thousands of times worse, me too, than the Pharisees. Your study of the scriptures and the people that were the enemies of Jesus is what made you the enemies of Jesus only to embrace the cross and the forgiveness of your hypocritical, pharisaical, anti-Christ nature that you have more than others. And that's why you're listening to me today. Because you are the worst scum on earth. You're not the best people. You're the worst people. Me too. That's the truth anyhow. Why? 
Luke 7:47. Whoever's forgiven much, loves much. How? The cross has been applied to our necromancing, lust-filled, adulterous, murderous, flesh and blood nature. Amen. Come on, somebody. Somebody's about to get delivered from being a freaking Pharisee tonight. You bunch of devils. Think about it. When Moses got delivered from being a murderer, he went from the knowledge of good and evil, grew up in the house of Jannes and Jambres as the prince of Egypt. He didn't marry Miriam, I repent. He married the Cushite. Hallelujah. Miriam was his sister. Forgive me for 12 years of false teaching. I repent like it even matters. I love you guys. <laughs> he goes out and gets delivered from his pride 40 years in the wilderness. Still full of pride. Comes back and eats Egypt. How did Moses devour Egypt? Only by the cross. He had to transmute through divine alchemy, so to speak, or also known as simply the forgiveness of sins. I don't like using mystical, stupid, fancy language because it's just false maturity. It's called simply forgiveness. He got forgiven for being a murderer. Remember, he murdered the Egyptian, the overlord. He murdered the demon that was beating his brothers and sisters when he found out he was Jewish. <laughs> he didn't know he was Jewish. He found out he was a Jew, and then it's like, well, as a good Jew, then I'm going to kill the Egyptian, which is the knowledge of good, because he's a total murderous Pharisee. That was his infancy in Christ. That was your infancy in Christ. Now that I have the knowledge of good, I can beat people up with knowledge. You had the same sin as Moses, and you murdered the Egyptian. And then you go to save your people, and, you, and they say, Are you here to murder me too, Moses? Every one of your family members has said that to you and your friends, and you're like, Oh, I, they don't understand me. I'm so misunderstood. No, you're a frickin' murderer. You're an immature baby Christian full of murder and pride of Satan and his angels. Truth in the hell. Now we go out into the wilderness, and we get crucified with Christ. So when we're sent back, we realize, I'm not better than the Egyptians. I'm just crucified with Christ. And notice, Jesus is teaching Moses love. I'm going to give him seven chances. <laughs> You're going to give your enemies. Here come plagues, pestilence, locusts, blood. <laughs> well, none of it worked, so we'll send the angel of death, and they'll actually have to taste the fruits of being Egyptians but he loved them perfectly because Moses was actually worse than every person in Egypt and in order to go by the laws of love of original design he had to give him seven chances he had to show him unconditional love because Moses came with an attitude I'm better than Pharaoh I'm better than the taskmasters you murdered the taskmasters you murdered the Egyptian overloads overlords you Christians are worse than the unbelievers. Moses said it. I'm the least of sinners. I'm the worst of all sinners. I mean, Paul said it. I'm the worst of all sinners. Have you realized you are the worst of all sinners? 
I'm beginning to. I can't even say I'm there yet. I'm just still crying about what a hypocrite I am. <laughs> this week, like attacking the things of the maturity of God and playing the hypocrite. Still murdering the mature things of God out of the knowledge of good and evil. And so are you. I know you are worse than me. <laughs> because I see all you guys on Facebook freaking out. Man. Brood of vipers. <laughs> Love you guys. Amen. That's good stuff. So you're coming into the apostolic, which is the crucifixion of your good and evil nature. And so what did Moses look like after he conquered his enemies? By what unconditional love? By giving them seven chances, which represents the seven spirits of God, which is Christ's unconditional love of his throne of the Lamb that was slain, standing by the backing of God the Father, animating his flesh and blood on the throne. So once you release the seven of unconditional love, then of course they're just licked up and you get deliverance and healing and restoration and all things. But because the truth is every one of us is worse than our oppressors, until you release that seven spirits of God unconditional love seven times into them and, and the Father says, well, okay, it's complete, only then do you have justice. Because you're worse than your, than everyone you're accusing. You are worse than your parents. You're worse than your siblings. You're not better people. You're worse people because the knowledge of good is the white sorcery of Satan's pride. It's Janes. So you're coming out of Janes. You're having the Janes white snake eaten out of your serpent hearts. White magic is the knowledge of good. Black magic is the knowledge of evil. How big is Jenny's and Jambres in your hearts? And the issue is, it's not like it goes away. It's always working there in the flesh every day. You don't overcome that one day. It's a daily crucifixion with Christ. It's a daily serpent of Christ, Moses' serpent, devouring Jenny's and Jambres in your heart and in your mind and in your bones and your flesh and your blood, which is, I die daily or I allow the bronze serpent of Jesus Christ to devour my good and evil nature constantly lest I fall. Beware that you stand lest you fall thinking that you've overcome something by like having a breakthrough one day. Oh my gosh. Barely even saved and celebrating victories. There's a place for celebrating victories. But have an accurate assessment of where you're actually at and the serpent nature on the pole will reveal your true measurement of salvation in your creaturedom, 2 Corinthians 5.17, of becoming all things new. What does it mean when the Bible says, I make all things new? Does that mean new devils? Oh, that's not included at all. The word devil came from the ancient understanding of seraphim. The word hell and devil both came from the root Hebrew understanding of seraphim. All the charismatic church in the whole planet knows that seraphim are the fire angels of God, but they're also snakes and dragons and serpents and cockatrice and dragons. And you realize that is the most mature animal form of the most cunning of all the animals of the days of Noah of all of the mark of the beasts, of all the chief of the beasts of all the field, is the serpent, dragon, cockatrice, 
reptilian nature of Jesus Christ, the seraphim nature, is the most mature nature of all the animal natures that you transmute out of by the cross of his blood into living creature form, the living creatures around his throne, are simply transformed Metatron Christians, Elijah, Moses. What do you think those living creatures are? I know for a fact one of them is Metatron. You have four living creatures. Those used to be sinners. Wow. They have a human form too. They're not always just spooky, freaky, but you need that wisdom. You need that spooky, freaky wisdom because your faith in Satan is far too big and your faith in Jesus is far too small. The fact that anyone would fear hell shows how foolish we really are. Now, the seraphim created hell for the fallen angels. It's written in the book of Enoch. The seraphim of Jesus Christ created hell for the fallen watchers. And we have this thing like devils in hell. It's like such a big deal. Lucifer, devils, hell, and darkness. And it's so scary. The occult and necromancy. Moses went through all of that. And as he forgave it, horns shot out of his forehead like blowtorches. Literally blowtorches on the mountain. Why? Because God's the devil. God's the seraphim. Not Satan. Oh, buddy. There's no evil in God. It's just absorbing your knowledge of evil by the bronze serpent today. Your faith in evil is your knowledge of evil. And when you see Jesus with horn-like appearance, the bronze serpent, the snake on the cross, the sin offering, the seraphim nature of Jesus will absorb your knowledge of evil and you get your horns back. The horns of his altar be lifted in your hearts. Holy Ghost. The Spirit was showing me when I went into Teen Challenge. I preached to this in Joel's Bar a hundred different times the last 14 years. They had Polaroids of me going through deliverance with slits in my forehead with horns coming out. They have it on file downtown Minneapolis, Minnesota Teen Challenge. They have a folder this thick. They said I was the worst case they'd ever seen in the history of Teen Challenge. They have on photograph horns coming out of my forehead and for one year there were scars right here on my forehead multiple pictures of it and i always thought oh that's satan coming out of me and the demons coming out of me because i was a necromancer in my former life and i worked in tartarus hell and walked in a black cloud of darkness and killed people <laughs> i was a janice and jambres professionally with knowledge which with relationships with demons working out of Tartarus hell as a son of Satan I asked Satan into my heart when I was 12 years old that's my testimony I had angelic encounters as a young boy when I was 12 at the age of maturity I chose Satan and his angels and went all in a thousand percent and that was necessary for my apostolic calling like Moses and when it came out of me and I was forgiven, physical horns came out of my head and left. First I bled out my forehead and then they scarred up. And when they took pictures, they saw the horns. And they were the horns of hell. True story. This was 21 years ago, guys. 
<laughs> For the, those of you a little concerned right now, very long time ago. <laughs> you share your testimony about the stuff you come out of, you're like, so that's what's wrong with you. It's 21 years ago, man. And the truth was, when I was forgiven that first day as a Christian, October 15th, 1999, that was the apostolic introduction of Moses' horns that came out of me. Moses was a murderer. So are you. And when you get forgiven of your knowledge of good and evil, you get your horns back. And the Bible says, lift up the horns of his altar. Grab the bull by the horns and bind it to the altar and burn it. What are the horns? Your pride of the fallen angels forgiven up through your hearts and out your foreheads. I will write the name of the new Jerusalem and the horns of that altar on their foreheads. It is written, book of Revelation. Without horns of a serpent, you are not even forgiven your satanic attributes. And it doesn't have to be as brutal as Moses and I, but I guarantee every seraphim son and seraphim daughter, every king of Egypt and queen of Egypt that rises in this exodus will get their horns back from the demons they once served in the name of Jesus Christ. Your familiars have your inheritance. And they are weaker than ever before because the revelation and the teaching of this hour is stronger than ever before. Let's just go into Isaiah 14 now. Isn't this good? Thank you, Father, for seraphim devil revelation of hell. Amen. And that's Stephanie that's still wiggling. Just let the serpent crawl through you and eat the dust. Okay. The snakes eat the dust. Well, Jesus is a snake, so he's going to eat your dust, which is your sin. He'll eat it all the way in your evil hearts. Hallelujah. That's why Satan's defeated at the cross. He doesn't get a food supply anymore. Remember, Father God told him in Genesis Garden that you'll crawl in your belly and eat the dust of the earth, which is sin, all the days of your life. Well, when God sent his only begotten son to the earth to die on the cross to be the serpent sin offering, Moses' bronze serpent, guess what? The demons have less and less food. That's why they're so weak right now, is because you're taking your serpent form on the cross of Calvary and taking all their food away. Learning how to forgive the sins of the knowledge of good and evil and all your neighbors, like real Christians, for the first time. Well, that's true. Amen. See? See that gentle as doves that comes out with the wisest serpents? You like that? Amen. That's how you know that I'm carrying my cross today as I'm preaching to you. Have you preached this kind of revelation of the seraphim and the serpent nature of the devils of hell without being gentle as doves? It's because you're not crucified with Christ. They'll get into rashness. They'll have no sense of humor. They'll get serious about all this stuff and freak out. Man, you just don't have the cross animating your life. You need the cross. So a lot of you need to come to the cross and just be nailed like snakes to the pole and be lifted up, murdered with Jesus, and then you be gentle as doves in all the seraphim revelation and become the devils of hell in Jesus' name. I love it. The lake of fire. We'll read Isaiah 14 in the Passion Translation if you want to turn there. 
I know you got it all memorized, but I'll, I'll read it to you anyhow. There's actually people here that haven't even read Isaiah. Oh my God. I'm like, well, I just take for granted the fact that I, I spent, you know, over 10,000 hours in the Bible, five years in Bible college, studying it in Greek, Hebrew, Latin, Chaldean, that everyone has studied it as extensively as I have. And it's like, there's actually leaders here that haven't even read the book of Isaiah. I, I'm like, I don't even have a grid because the word has been made my flesh for so many years of people that don't know every single story in the Bible like the back of their hand. So make sure you're spending thousands of hours in the Bible. Otherwise, this stuff can be so over your head, you're going to be completely confused and lost. We have this anchor in Christ Jesus, which is what? The Logos written word for our souls. There isn't one thing I'm speaking to you today that isn't from the scriptures. Problem is, if you don't read the Bible like good Bereans, you're going to think, this is the worst teaching ever. The devils of hell teaching. Oh my God. And it's like actually just the root word meaning of seraphim if you study it up in like a Hebrew lexicon. I mean, just insanity. <laughs> so make sure you're studying the scriptures and actually interested in transformation out of your love for Jesus and your love for the Father. And all this stuff will be unveiled, revealed to you from the, from the Lord Jesus Christ. This isn't just impossible revelation for super mystics. This is necessary teaching for all of you to mature and conquer Egypt this season, and all of you can do it. You don't need to be a super apostle. Anyone can do it. Come on. All you need is the humility of a little child to enter the realms of the kingdom of his glory. In Jesus' name. And what is glory? Glory is the forgiveness of your good and evil. Glory is only produced by forgiveness through the blood of Jesus. How do you get the blood of Jesus? The serpent offering, which just destroys the carnal mind, destroys the Antichrist. <laughs> How can you get something good from something bad? That's God's salvific nature. Buckwheat. <laughs> Restoration of Judah. Isaiah 14, Passion Translation, because Brian Simmons just absolutely crucifies it in this chapter. I've never read it in the Passion. I studied it in like 100 other translations, but the Passion's even better. I thought, honestly, I'll be honest, forgive me, Brian, I thought maybe be watered down because it's like Passion Translation. It's all lovey-dovey. It's even more severe. It's even more intoxicating. <laughs> Get ready. The Lord Yahweh will most certainly show tender mercy to the Israelites. He will choose them again and settle them in their own land. Even foreigners will accompany them and join with the Jewish people. Nations will take them back to their own place, and the Jews will own their enemies as their inheritance in the land Yahweh gave them. So you understand why the Rothschilds think they own you Gentiles, because it's a covenant promise to enslave the Gentiles. Hello? You're a Gentile, non-Jew? The Bible says that you're their slave property. If you're not in Christ, duh. 
They will take their captors captive and rule over those who once oppressed them. In that day when the Lord Yahweh has given you rest from your pain, trouble, and cruel bondage, you will jeer at the king of Babylon and recite this proverb. Your oppressor has been stilled and your onslaught is over. With their unceasing blows, they used it cruelly to strike down nations. They subdued nations in anger with unrelenting persecution. But now the whole earth rests and is at peace. It bursts out with singing. Even the cypresses and cedars of Lebanon join in. The Spirit hit me when I was doing that because those are two of the main ingredients in our fragrances www.bbluxuryperfumes.com Rejoice over your demise, saying, Now that you were laid low, no woodsman, and woods is the third greatest ingredient in the fragrance of his cross. Now, you, you know, you think, oh, don't make mix marketplace with spirituality and ministry. It is so mixed. That's why I'm so whacked in the glory. That's the only way to get higher in the glory is if you mix marketplace and ministry. And if you're not, you're going to be a total Gnostic, Gnostic and usually suffering from extreme poverty and the religious spirit and the religious oppression of Satan and his angels. So you have to mix your marketplace with your ministry. You have to mix the scriptures with both ministry, Jachin, and marketplace, Boaz, which are your two physical legs of flesh and blood. Otherwise, you cannot walk as a temple of the New Testament. You can't walk. You'd be limping around, missing something. Oh, just horrible poverty everywhere in Christianity because of the religious spirit, because of missing this. You got to get that. I want to share, just interrupt this real quickly as we're talking because the spirit's going there. Last night, as I was mixing our candles, we've been doing a bliss of Gethsemane candles for weeks, shipping them all over the planet. People are having the most in incredible encounters from these candles. And people are so Gnostic, so, and that's the sin of Gnosticism, they can't understand how spiritual encounters can come out of something physical. That's called the, the heresy of Gnosticism. Remember, Jesus is only physical or there's no salvation. Jesus was a carpenter. Everything he built was spiritual. Oh my gosh. And so the Spirit was showing me as I'm bringing my flesh and blood and my spirit into the natural realm and doing the works that God has prepared for me. This, these awesome business ventures, ventures like we used to have back in the day with all my businesses, because back then the Spirit was teaching the same things. We've had these rounds many, many times in Red Letter Ministries been around. We've been teaching on these things for over a decade. This is just a new realm of a greater glory of the same teachings from 10, 12, 13, 14 years ago. And all those days when we had all those businesses. And it's refined, it's wiser, it's more mature, but it's the same exact path of back then because it's the only path of spiritual maturity. You have to take your spiritual maturity into the marketplace with your Boaz pillar. Otherwise, you cannot grow in the glory. It'll be false maturity. You get into Gnosticism and you become a brood of vipers. You become totally poverty-stricken fools and religious accursed living in Gehenna, which is hell on earth, not God's plans for your life. 
And so God's been teaching me this for decades of these same patterns of wisdom, wisdom building her seven pillars, season after season into what it is today. You need to understand that as a foundation, this is nothing new to me under the sun. Amen. And now this new level of business, God is taking this new level of spirituality, this new level of wisdom, mixing her wine, which is blood, wine is blood, and putting it into candles. So when I put my the sweat of my brow, which is the Gethsemane sweat of the wine of the promised land, into the candle where there's curse-free works, the wine of Gethsemane, the sweat of my brow by the works of my hands are anointed with promised land angels. And I see the angels coming and actually coming from heaven and pouring vials of fragrances and ointments and the blood of Jesus into the perfumes and into the waxes. And that's why people are having continuous angelic encounters with heaven with BB luxury perfumes. Because that's normal business for every Christian who's ever came out of death and hell in the entire world. That now your businesses are anointed and the angels partner with you. So everyone's getting the most excellent anointed works. When you do works, and when you're working, people are getting heaven imparted into them from the sweat of your brow that's no longer the curse of Adam, but the blessing of the second Adam. And the blessing of the second Adam's brow is what? Blood came from his eyebrows, reversing the curse of Adam in the Garden of Gethsemane so that the works of your hands are anointed with the wine of the Garden of Eden. And you're imparting the blood of Jesus into the physical realm as you do works. You have to receive that impartation, otherwise... The poverty spirit will rob your entire Christian lives in total stupidity. And you beat your head against the wall and bleed out every day in frustration of idolatry. And I never got anything. But it's because you didn't work. And you never reversed the curse in the second Adam. That's, I mean, we have been killing ourselves in the religious spirit for thousands of years. Stop it. Now, the sweat of our brow is the wine of the sweat of his brow from Gethsemane. Do the best works in the world. Your angels will partner with your works of your businesses and you will rise in the marketplace as the chieftains of all finances by simply the excellence of his wine, which is his blood through the works and the sweat of your brow. Hallelujah. Amen. The underworld. Revelation 14, 9. The underworld is all astir in preparation. Ready to meet you when you show up. Oh, here we go, Isaiah. <laughs> Straight to hell, boy. It rouses the spirits of the dead to greet you. All the former tyrants and despots rise from their thrones. One and all will say to you, look at you. You've become as weak as we are. Who? Satan. Scripture says, Isaiah 14, verse 10, look at you. You have become as weak as we are. Isn't that a wonderful prophecy? That Satan has become as weak as a human being. That's what the Bible says. 
that your great red dragon and the fear of all your microchips, guillotines, and 5G and the vaccines of coronavirus and the deep state of the Illuminati and the corruption of Dominion and all the wicked... This guy has become as weak as a human being? Do you, do you believe that verse? Or does the devil something special do? <laughs> hey, that's what it says, guys. <laughs> Look at you. Isaiah 14, 10. You've become as weak as we are. Now you're just like us. What is the Antichrist? See, when you were in the religious spirit as Pharisees, and some of you still are majorly, I mean majorly, not even minorly, because you're barely forgiven of any of your pride. Wasn't the devil a great big devil? But then when you get into Jesus and Moses, the forgiveness of good and evil, that whole nature of horns and tail and fire and brimstone and hell is given to God? And now the devil becomes as weak as we are? Do you understand it's your faith in Satan and his angels that makes him big? in government and in religion and in the world. And so the whole realm of Hades, like it says Revelation, was thrown into the bottomless pit. Even the realm of Hades is thrown into the lake of fire. The Bible says, I believe it's Revelation 19, that Hades, the realm of departed spirits and the, uh, the, the realm of the devil and his angels, the realm of Satan, I'm talking about seraphim now, so get wisdom. The realm of Satan and his angels and all the realm of departed spirits, which is called Hades, was thrown into the lake of fire. What's the lake of fire? The new hell. Behold, I make all things new. So the torment of Hades is your lake of fire, which is your belly, your womb, your chalice, your cup that overflows with the blood of the lamb, which is the love that torments your enemies. That's how you become the new devils of the new hell come on they've become just like we are so these fallen angels will become as weak as unbelieving flesh and then be thrown into the bellies of the seraphim sons and daughters of god that are rising as the kings and queens of egypt called joseph company hello this season and the unconditional love symbolized in the seven chances of Moses to Pharaoh becomes the seven spirits of God, seven torches burning that produces a lake of fire where? In the blood of your heart for all your enemies to live in your divine agape love. Agape love is the lake of fire and those who have risen on the cross of Calvary are the only ones that know it. And they are the new devils of hell. And who's in your hell? Satan and his angels in the lake of fire. All the unbelievers, the practitioners, the magic arts, those who love the lie, Democrats, Republicans, good, evil, Christian, Jew, Muslim, all of it, New Age, every person in the whole world, total sovereignty once you get into Moses' horned-like devilry. In Jesus' name. Verse 11. Come on. Your pompous pride brought you down to the underworld. Pride is what makes the, the little human-sized Satan, a big red dragon, pompous pride. 
It's pride that makes evil something big. Brass Serpent absorbs pride as if it's a non-existent fantasy thing. So all the pride of knowledge of good and evil is just erased into the knowledge of the glory that covers the earth as the waters cover the sea. The days of Noah is bringing love like the lake of fire. It's called the new hell. Welcome to hell in Jesus name. <laughs> Your pompous pride brought you down to the underworld with the hum of harps. But you will lie on a bed of maggots. Thank you, Brian Simmons. And a blanket of worms will cover you. Mm, music to my ears. Look how you have fallen from your heavenly place, O shining one. That's where you get morning star or Lucifer, son of the dawn. Give me a break. You have been cut down to the ground, you who conquered nations. You said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven and exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will rule on the mountain of the congregation, on the highest place of the sacred mountain. See? But the sacred mountain is Calvary. I will ascend the sacred mountain, the highest mountain, the mountain of the Lord rising as chief element. Can Satan ascend mountain of Calvary? That's the mountain of the bronze serpent. That's the mountain of the forgiveness of all the works of the devil that limits him to be like a toddler of flesh in power, dominion, authority, might, riches, and glory and wisdom. Oh my God. So it turns all pride on its head and absorbs it and gives the power to the mountain of the crucified one. You see how Father's wisdom fooled the fallen angels and is still fooling most of you right now? <laughs> I will rise past the tops of the clouds and rival the Most High God. I mean, it was fun watching him try, and it was fun watching us try in our satanic pride. I've actually enjoyed growing in humility. It's been fun for me, but it becomes hell to our enemies because there's no forgiveness to anything that doesn't have blood. <laughs> Everyone will stare at you and ponder your fate, saying, is this the man who shook the earth and made the kingdoms tremble? Is this the man who made the world a desert and overthrew its cities and refused to free his prisoners and let them return home? Every king at death lies in state, each in his crypt of splendor. You're telling me that the nations will look upon the knowledge of evil in astonishment and be like, that's what it was? I mean, some of you this season are looking at coronavirus and 5G and microchips and guillotines and Satan and his angels and hell and darkness and good and evil, and you're being astonished in the Christ nature in your hearts rising and renewing your minds that that's what good and evil is? That's what the fall of the angels are? And you're already beginning to fulfill this verse in Isaiah 14. That's all it was? And then it gets smaller and smaller until you can't even see it anymore. That's how your vision gets clear. By the forgiveness of his blood. But you are an unburied, trampled corpse. Verse 19. 
thrown out of your grave like a rotten stick. There's your tree of knowledge. And wrapped in the bloody clothing of those slain by the sword, drunk on the blood of the saints. You will not have a burial like them because you destroyed both your land and your people. May your wicked descendants never be mentioned again. No remembrance of good or evil for eternity. As if it never existed. The tree of Satan and his angels and all of those who ate from it. It's called forgiveness. As if it never happened. That's how powerful the blood is. Verse 22. Utter extermination of Babylon. I will rise up against them, declares the Lord Yahweh, commander of angel armies. I will blot out the name Babylon and her survivors, her offspring and descendants, declares the Lord Yahweh, Holy Ghost. I will turn it into a swampland and a place for wild animals. See, you're the swamp that's being drained. Like dirt on the floor, I will sweep it away with the broom of destruction. Declares the Lord Yahweh, commander of angel armies. The Lord Yahweh, commander of angel armies, makes this solemn decree. Be sure of this, just as I have planned, so it will be. Every purpose of my heart will surely come to pass. I will crush the Assyrians who invade my land. I will trample them on my mountains. Their yoke of slavery will be removed from my people and their heavy burden from their shoulders. This is the plan that I have determined for the entire world. I will accomplish it by the demonstration of my mighty power throughout the earth. For the Lord Yahweh, the commander of angel armies, has an amazing strategy. And who can thwart him? Isn't this an amazing strategy? Are some of you beginning to understand the, the, the genius of the mind of Christ a little bit more? What is this amazing strategy? Everything you thought as good and evil being Satan and his angels. So everything is bound to the forgiveness of grace. So no one can boast in the flesh of anything on earth. And whoever's forgiven the most becomes the new rulers of this planet. Come on. Strategy. Who can thwart the cross? When he moves in power, who can stop the blood flow of Calvary, the river of life? Who can stop him? They've been trying to stop it for thousands of years. Don't spread the knowledge of the blood, the knowledge of the glory, the knowledge of the cross, lest they become the bride of the Lamb, the bride, and those married to the cross. Truth or now? Here's my favorite part of it. 28. God's judgment of the demons or Philistines. So yet this whole chapter is the whole new underworld, new hell, new devils, new seraphim, removing all the old, exposing wickedness and evil and good for what it is, is little tiny fallen angels, very small, very tiny, 
all of your little familiar spirits, all your little problems, every all your poverty. It's all just in your brain by your f false belief systems. You've created the environment you currently live in, and the Word of God is changing it. Verse 28. This prophecy came to Isaiah in the year King Ahaz died. So someone had to die in order for this next level to fulfill the 14th chapter of Isaiah, which is the new underworld, or also known as the root systems of the blood of the nations. Don't rejoice too soon, you Philistines. Just because the rod that beat you is broken. Old Testament wood. Like the wood of Moses. It's broken. They broke Aaron's staff. It's broken. Broken Israel. Can't even defeat the Philistine armies. Oppressed by Philistines. Don't rejoice, Philistines, because you broke the Old Testament symbolic tree. For a snake will sprout from the root of that serpent, and his descendant will be a flying, fiery, burning dragon. Jesus Christ, the serpent on the pole. That's the tree they can't break. That's the tree of life. No demon can break it. No lying spirit of Satan and his angels can ever destroy the power of Calvary in any way. They can block your mind and your heart from revelation so you die for lack of knowledge. They can keep you in Gehenna under the poverty principality for thousands of years practicing religious Christianity. But this realm is always here and always will be. We are simply revealing the realm of the serpent on the cross called the throne of the Lamb. Where? From within our hearts. From within our hearts so that our horns blaze through our forehead. The full return of the good and evil back to where it belongs in submission to the throne of the Lamb in your heart. Yeah, that tree in the garden gets devoured, Janice and John Brace, once and for all by the tree of life in your heart so that your horns come back as the seraphim sons and daughters of God. The Lord will starve the root of the Philistines, meaning there will be no more tree of knowledge, good and evil, because of this reality. Isaiah 14, 29. Isaiah 14, 28. The seraphim serpent level of Jesus Christ, the ultimate revelation of Jesus as a snake, a serpent, a dragon, a cockatrice, is the death blow to Satan and his angels. And it throws Hades into the lake of love, the lake of fire, in seraphim form. Get your horns back. Your horns will grow as you forgive and absorb in your bronze serpent nature all the good and evil around you. Only then will you ever be the kings and queens of Egypt, which are the sons and daughters of the living God in Huyos maturity. Everything until then is just technon, infancy, and you're under slavery and all kinds of foolish doctrines and belief systems that are just killing yourself. Amen. We'll finish it out here.
Isn't that good? The Lord will starve the root of the tree of knowledge. That will annihilate your survivors. So, the tabernacle of David, extinguishing the Nephilim seed line, or the seed of good and evil, completed in this generation, to form the tabernacle of David. And it's the same seed that's in your heart. And that's why all of you are here, because you are the most filled with the seed of good and evil. That's why you've been drawn to Red Letter Ministries. Now be forgiven. It's true. Verse 31. Wail, O gate. Cry out, O city. Melt with fear, Philistia. What is also Philistia? Sodom and Egypt. <laughs> For a cloud of smoke comes out of Minnesota, the north. And there is no straggler among them. Each one has embraced seraphim form. This prophecy is fulfilled in your hearing today. And what will be the answer of the messengers of the nations? That the Lord has laid the foundation of Calvary, the foundation of Zion. And in her, his needy ones will find eternal shelter. Amen. Bless you guys. If you'd like to give a fragrant financial offering into this apostolic ministry that is transforming all your good and evil into glory, give an offering and take it seriously. Where your money is, that reveals your heart. Give money into this message. Without a financial offering, I tell you what, there will be no transformation. That is one thing that's holding you back. Pharisees of America, you rebellious people, is learning how to give into the Word of God and valuing the Word of God more than all the natural possessions of the world that your money could buy. Less than half of you have even begun to learn that lesson because your sacrificing of finances is so small. The Lord rebuke you. Value the Word of God more highly than all physical possessions. Especially this week with Black Friday, buying all your Christmas presents, buying all your stuff for your family and friends and decorating your houses, spending hundreds of dollars and all that. Will you value the Word of God more highly than the idolatry of yourself, your spouse, your family, and your house? How you financially give is the true testimony of how much you value Jesus Christ today in the hearing of this word. And I pray as you give according to the word of God and your true sincere love for Jesus more than idols, Christmas idols, possession idols, familiar idols, and all the things of the natural idolatrous realm, as you give into the apostolic word of God for the salvation of your souls, that you be transformed and transfigured by the very glory that you are valuing more highly than the possessions you could buy with those finances. Let it be credited to you as righteousness as you give. In Jesus' name. Love you guys. See you tomorrow.
And he read from the scroll of Isaiah and said, This word is fulfilled in your hearing. I tell you, as the forerunner of Jesus Christ that has happened tonight in your midst, 